Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. Now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Are you ready for the annual Bacchanalia of a review of yet another sequel to an 80s classic? I'd rather shoot my eye out. Hey everyone, it's our take on the 2022 sequel to A Christmas Story, so cleverly disguised as, wait for it, A Christmas Story Christmas. Merry Christmas, you, you turds! This episode of Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by Santa Claus. I know him. Have you been a bad little boy or girl this year? Did you forget to send your mom flowers for Mother's Day? Did you buy your staff gift cards to Arby's as a Christmas present? Did you forget to download all of 2022's podcasts? Good, because only the truly naughtiest of 80s fans get to go on... The 80s Cruise! Join Spearsy, me, MTV DJs, Mark Goodman, Alan Hunter, and downtown Julie Brown, along with 3,000 more holiday elves. Love the shoes, lose the hat. In March 2023, for a week-long trip on board the Royal Caribbean Navigator of the Seas. Performers will include Devo, Brett Michaels, Kim Wilde, The Church, Howard Jones, Living Color, John Parr, Morris Day in the Time, The Smithereens, Fixin, Cutting Crew, Mid-Year, Autograph, Tone Loke, and more and first time gets can get $200 of cabin credit and we're not talking like Santa dollars or like coupons and stuff we're talking 200 bucks just by using the promo code stuck when booking s-t-u-c-k you spell it you get it just go to www.the80scruise.com for more information also I've got some used cars for sale hey everyone Oh my God, it's Thanksgiving weekend as we record, and yet we blatantly jump ahead on the calendar for a month to discuss a Christmas movie? Yeah. Not a Christmas movie, a Christmas story? Not a Christmas story, a Christmas story Christmas? It's so meta, my mind is scrambled. I blame myself. We went and saw the Rockettes last weekend. Oh, in New York? Yeah, all just Christmassy, all just jammed down your throat like eating a pine tree. I saw that ten years ago <laughs> when I was there, and okay. I remember, I remember walking into Radio City uh, Music Hall mm-hmm. and being just like floored by what a beautiful venue it is. Oh, it's I'd never been in there. Yeah, Katie went with me for a work trip last week, and she's like, "What should we do on Saturday?" I'm like, "I don't know." She's like, "Oh, it's too bad we can't see the Rockettes." So we walked by the marquee, and we're like, "Actually, it opens this weekend," and we were able to get tickets. So, man, it was fun. I know there are probably people that go every year, and it's like a big thing for them. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, I, if I'll you like you it that much, enjoy it. I don't think I ever need to go again. Oh, well, that's a wonderful attitude to have on Christmas Eve. Bahama. I'll tell you what I remember about it. It was the best hour of sleep I ever got. Oh, man. 
Come on, it starts out with dueling organs. There's like big organs on either side of the. Oh, it's fantastic. Every one of our podcasts is is, is two dueling organs. Uh, ooh, the brain and another. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's a little dancing in there, you know, yeah. as you might expect. There's a lot more Jesus than I had expected, although it is a Christmas spectacular. So I guess I can't really be too surprised. There were not one, but two camels and a donkey. I remember it being like a nice warm room, and then that was the last thing I remember. Then I just fell asleep. Because uh, the thing, weird thing about New York City in the, in the winter is that every place is super heated inside. Oh yeah. So you, the one thing you learn as a visitor there is layer. Don't wear like heavy sweaters and stuff like that that you can't get out of, because you're going to go into Radio City music, music Hall and you're going to fall asleep in the slumber of like. A toasty eighty degree auditorium, <laughs> like like a bear in a cave in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about it; it's over. Anyway, oh, so Brad funny. came back from New York, and the first thing on our uh, assignment sheet was to watch on HBO Max a Christmas story, Christmas. So, what do you guys do around here for Christmas these days? <sighs> it's the same here as it's always been. Yeah, just the usual. You know, the usual is not going to cut it. I need something more. It's all on me this year. Well, in that case. I suggest you start drinking and don't stop till New Year's. Oh, this is serious. Larry? What do you want from me? I come here to avoid my family. I'm sure most of you know by now the, the shtick here. It's uh, Peter's Billingsley Returns. This is the first really good sequel to the, the original movie from the 80s. There was one that was done, I think, about 10 years ago with Daniel Stern, and it, it's unwatchable. Is that the one where he wants a car? <laughs> Yes, that's the one where he wants the car. Yeah. So no. we watched it last night, and I, I, me and the wife sat down, and we, we got through the first 20 minutes, and, and to be honest, I was horrified. Steve was texting me stuff. I'm like, you need to shut your whore mouth, dude. I haven't <laughs> watched a second of this yet, and you're peeing in the well. Yeah, I mean, I was ready to just say, like, we're, we can't do this show. I mean, I don't want to go on, on a podcast and just totally... And just trash this thing. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. do that. So... We stopped watching it then, and we picked it up. I picked it up again this morning. I watched the rest of it by myself, pretty much. And suddenly, twenty minutes in, it catches its. It finds its groove. Yeah, I mean, it's. Look, do you like a Christmas story? If you like a Christmas story, this is not going to hurt you. Seeing Christmas through your children's eyes has the power to summon long-forgotten memories and emotions. Don't let them kick you in the face. Huh? Is it? Citizen Kane? No, but neither is a Christmas story. Like, hello, it's an oddly meta nostalgia for the holidays movie that's really the nostalgia is not so much about the holidays as it is about this holiday movie that we all know and love so much. Well, yeah. not everyone loves it, but... Not a finger! You know, it's funny, by the way, if you go to YouTube and you look up, you Google uh, a Christmas story honest trailer, mm -hmm. they have a deadly accurate take on <laughs> the original movie. And like, do we really love this movie or do we just love that we can quote this movie? In a film that looks back fondly on the childhood the narrator looks back fondly on that makes you look back fondly on watching it as a kid and return to the American Midwest in the broke-ass 30s where listening to the radio is considered fun. <laughs> there's something to that. Yeah, there's something to that. But let's, let's set up the new movie. As nostalgia brokers ourselves, we're perfectly positioned to do this. Yeah. Uh, this story, this movie is set in the mid-70s. 
And Ralphie uh, is back, played by the original actor, Peter Billingsley. He is an aspiring writer now. And his dad, the old man, has passed away. Now, we're not going to say anything in this review that's going to spoil it for you. We're not going to give away the ending. But we'll set it up for you. His dad passes away. And so Ralphie, his wife, and their two kids, a son and a daughter, go back home to Indiana um, to be with his mom for Christmas. And, And because Christmas was the thing that the old man was so good at celebrating and decorating for and planning for. And... You know, his mom needs his help. So it is kind of this little movie that's kind of like a a lot of homages to the original movie, a lot of homages to even moments in the 70s. Yeah, there are definitely some notes that you're like, yeah, okay, I get that. Almost everybody returns. Yeah, there's a lot of people that come back, which makes it fun. Um, the mom, though, is not one of them. Melinda Dillon played the mom in the original movie. She's replaced by Julie Haggerty, which everyone remembers from Airplane. Elaine, you're a member of this crew. Can you face some unpleasant facts? No. I, I looked up. Lost in America. Yeah. In Lost in America. And also, oh, she was, oh she's in a lot of movies. But uh, uh, Melinda Dillon retired yeah. um, about 12 years ago and just hasn't returned to do any work since then. And so com- completely makes sense that she doesn't want to be involved. Um, the actors who play Flick, Schwartz, um, his little brother, Randy, uh, Scott Farkas, Grover Dill, they all return. Some are more recognizable than others. Sure. That's true. I mean, that's true. If you go to your high school reunion, there are people <laughs> that you recognize better than others. I, I hate that I don't look anything like I did in high school, by the way. That's, that's really, uh, I don't oh. give anything back for that, that nice little, that nice little mustache, that Magnum PI mustache. We seem to have touched a nerve here at Stuck in the eighties today, folks. So, <laughs> anyway, the movie's cringy at times, but then again, so is every family Christmas. Uh, yeah. I think that's a really good point. I mean, Katie and I were both just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. But then there were parts where I was just laughing my head off. I am admittedly a notoriously easy laugh. That's just the truth. But there were definitely things that I was enjoying in this. There's some great lines. I'm sure we'll scatter some of these through the podcast. One of my favorites were, was, quote, addicts are museums of indifference. <laughs> yeah, I thought about my attic and the items that I have stashed up there. It's like stuff I don't need to have around but i don't want to get rid of which is a weird place for stuff to find itself i think it's like the island of misfit toys up there we have a storage unit here that we had to get because when uh, the lovely mrs spears uh, moved down to florida she had too too much stuff and so it's we've got stuff that's it's a very big storage unit (laughs) (laughs) that i think we paid 300 dollars a month for but Just imagine like a whole garage because you really probably could fit a car in this in this storage unit. Imagine a whole garage just like stacked to the ceiling with boxes. So, oh yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. absolutely. As we say, we're not going to give away the ending, but I, I, I will admit, I was sobbing, crying like a baby, not able, I, trying to explain some of the plot points because at that point, Mrs. Spearsy had woken up and had come downstairs and was watching the last. Like, five what's going on? Yeah, and I'm trying to explain it, but I just I can't get it out because I'm. You know, 
I don't know. You probably didn't cry, you, you emotionless bastard. You human Vulcan of a podcaster. <sighs> well, I mean, look, a, a movie, Katie's mom passed away this year, and a movie where a parent is gone and it's the first Christmas without that parent around, it's like, oh, little, little, a few rough spots there in the screening for sure. Um, so did I cry? Maybe not over the movie itself, but over the scenarios presented. Sure. I mean, that stuff but is universal. Yeah. The heart of nostalgia, right? It's something that's recognizable. Yeah. I mean, I, it was hard. She, her dad died maybe, oh gosh, I don't even want to guess. It was more than 10 years ago. My dad died more than 10 years ago. So obviously the night devolved into stories about, you know. Holidays. Yeah, about the holidays, family traditions. And as a newly married couple, in fact, in fact, this is our anniversary weekend. Oh, yeah. A year ago today, you and I were at rehearsal. That's right. <laughs> and then about ready to eat a shitload of Italian food. Mm, I love <laughs> When you describe it that way, it just sounds so appetizing, Steve. <laughs> it was amazing, though. Could you please bring us two shitloads of Italian food? My friend and I are very hungry. <laughs> it was a lot of food, to be fair. And then maybe a couple piss buckets of wine. <laughs> You know, whatever you have around. I keep saying we need to create some of our own family holiday traditions. And so we've been kind of talking about that, like what can be our own traditions. And, and You should bake chocolate chip cookies and send them to the person who is the best man in your wedding. <laughs> I'm sure anything you made in the kitchen would be better than anything I make in the kitchen. Oh, I but, doubt that's uh, true. I've, I've had a drink at your house. It was delightful. <laughs> that's about it. I, I'm not the worst cook, but I, I can't. I mean, you're 10 times better of a Oh, I don't know about I that. I think that's fair to say. It's okay. It's okay to just agree sometimes. Well, gosh, Steve, that was awfully kind of you. What a thoughtful thing to say, <laughs> considering you've never been to my house or eaten any of my cooking. I've seen the photos, though, and I, I've, I've seen you describe them in very passionate terms to me over the phone. You're, well, you're, presentation's important, let's face it. <laughs> you make your own pizzas from scratch, damn you. We're not putting people on the moon here, folks. It's like four <laughs> ingredients of pizza dough, okay? Water. Yeast, flour, and a little olive oil. I, I, it's still more work than I'm willing to do. Uh, that's fair. I mean, the, the dough balls you buy at Trader Joe's are pretty good, actually. Okay, good to know. Fair representation of the movie, though, you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I love some of the little homages that show up from the original. Like, you know, Ralphie in the original movie, he's a bit of a daydreamer. That hasn't completely gone away. And one of the plot points is he's... Uh, you know, shopping this book he wrote, this like was it two thousand page sci fi epic called Neptune's Oblivion, which I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's the good stuff right there. And he's sitting at the, at a desk of a publisher, and he's like staring off into the distance, imagining himself winning a Pulitzer. Like, is there a Pulitzer for sci fi? I don't, I don't think know. So. Uh, but he's standing up there with Isaac Asimov, Frank Herbert, and Anne McCaffrey, and of course he wins. I'm just dying laughing. So there's some little, there's some touches in there for us sci-fi nerds. Uh, that stuff is just sprinkled through the whole the whole film, little callbacks and little moments and and scenarios that you will recognize. Yeah, um, it's uh, there's a scene with Julie Haggerty and um, Ralphie's wife playing Scrabble that is just delicious. My mother was one of the most creative and ruthless Scrabble players in the entire Midwest. Everyone knew better than to lock horns with her. Sandy, on the other hand... Oh, um, I don't think bajillion is actually a word. 
Yes, it is. You just used it in a sentence. So that's a double word score, a double word score, and a seven tile bonus, which is uh, 50 points. So just give me a second. 122 points. There's there's another scene where Julie Haggerty's putting back teen on Ralphie. Oh, I mean, yeah. When was it? I mean, I know I had back teen growing up. I, I know my, my mom used it on me. And she was a nurse, oh. so she probably... You know, I don't know if that's actionable or not. We were a Campofanique house myself, but I'm familiar with the product. Nowadays, like, I don't know about you, but if I cut myself, I just pour like a bottle of hydrogen peroxide on it. Yeah. Yeah. Just wash it, scrub it, pour some of that on there, watch it foam. Yeah. That's the best part. Be that's done. Anyway, it's on HBO Max. Go into it with an open mind. Uh, be prepared to suffer through about 20 minutes before it catches its. Uh, yeah, let it wrap its arms around you a little bit. Yeah. It, it's kind of like a, a family Christmas weekend. You know, it, it's just that first 20 minutes that's unbearable. After that, you, your mind just starts to... Click into the rhythms. I mean, yeah. I, the, the other thing I'll say, like, how do you think this compares to... I, I think we talked about this last year. Last year, HBO Max's entry in the, the nostalgia-fueled holiday film fest was uh, the Doogie Howser narrated 8-Bit Christmas. Do you remember that? I remember it, but I don't don't remember. I don't know how much of it I saw. We watched it, and I remember thinking it was pretty good. I liked where it went. Um, The sequence was just the right amount of silliness. There's a lot of late 80s, early 90s nostalgia in it. Um, That was probably a better put-together movie. I think when you start to build your movie on the foundations of another movie like we have for the sequel, you you know, it's just it, it limits the upside a little bit. But again, I think if you liked a Christmas story and you have access to HBO Max, you know, let this wash over you. You're going to find things in it to enjoy. There are there are definitely moments of it like Steve says, like a family dinner where you're going to think, what am I doing here? What's happening? What choices have led me to this place? But then there are other places where you're going to find, really honestly, you're going to be laughing. Yes. There are surprises throughout. And and this, and my surprise at the end was that I was, you know. That it got gotcha. you. It got me. I yeah. was not expecting that. I, I was expecting literally to come downstairs this morning, watch it for another 10 minutes, and then and then text you and say, let's find some <laughs> to talk about today. Sh- shows off. <laughs> Let's talk about scrubbing dishes in the 80s after big dinners instead. Speaking of scrubbing dishes, you know what I'd like to scrub right now? (laughs) It makes no sense. The The Saggies. Now it's time for Stuck in the Arcade. Oh, by the way, speaking of arcades, last night I went, there's an arcade here in Orlando called Arcade Monsters. Ooh. And it's full of arcade games from, and pinball machines, tons of pinball machines. Ooh. I even played a couple of those, which, you know, not normally my gig. Uh, you go there, it was in Oviedo, which is just north of Orlando, up in my neck of the woods. It was $19 for, for unlimited play. Plus they had a bar and food. Mm. And shots and beer and stuff like that. But we played um, Donkey Kong, Tron, Paperboy. I cannot play Paperboy to save my life. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's one of those uh, Pee Wee Herman moments. I don't need to play that because I lived it. (laughs) It's so hard. I'm like, (laughs) at what point was this ever like (laughs) a popular game? Anyway, stuck in the arcade. We will play a snippet of an arcade 
machine mechanism from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for the postal-friendly bottle opener. The only thing I can say without slurring. Uh, we did open it up to other suggestions for swag going forward, but I don't know that we had a winning suggestion. Oh, no, we had some good suggestions. I, I got to tell you, I, I feel like I need to stay the course with the bottle opener. I like the bottle opener. It's durable. It's got utility. It's got our logo on it. It's a nice memento. It will last. I just have to, you know, I have to keep advancing the science of packaging it so that the postal service accepts it as one of its own. You have to put on there, I think, do not... Hand stamp, yeah. Yeah, must hand stamp. Hand but, stamp. Um, I'll get another... St- oh, I could get another stamp to go with my stuck in the 80s stamp. Oh, well, that'd be fun. That was the last big advance because people were getting these envelopes and they're like, what the hell is this? Like, it looks like it was, you know, this looks machine hand lettered, you know? And people were very dubious of what it was. So now I have a little stuck in the 80s stamp, which I put on the envelope. So I you, have it too. You, you see it, you know what... Yeah, I sent you one too. You see it, you, you know who it's from. Oh, yeah. Instead of just this, who's this Williams guy? I don't get it. It's lovely. Anyway, from episode 648, here was the mystery arcade sound. Yep, that's Burger Time. I'm trying to think, did they have Burger Time last night at Arcade Monsters? I don't think that they had Dig Dug, which I oh, thought was... Thematically bizarre. Pretty crazy. They had... Uh, but they had, it, was, it, was, it was not bad. It was just... They also had like the hockey game, you know, where you have to like the foosball, but it's um Oh yeah, US with the, versus like the sliders back and yeah. forth and the twisties. Uh, was, yeah, yeah. I lost at that to my wife who has never played it before. Not, wow. Not, yeah. Not huh. really feeling well that's a nice that. anniversary present there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we had some winners. Brad's gonna read them. Well I We did indeed. We did indeed. People people know this game. I don't think I ever played Burger Time. I don't think I'd ever seen one. Maybe uh, you know, back in the Weatherford, they just didn't have access to advanced meat-based food video games. <laughs> they they have it on the cruise ship every year. Oh, well, I haven't played it there either. I'll try it this year. I mean, I do like a good burger, and there's nothing wrong with an egg on a hamburger, says me. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> Winners this week include Library John in Gladwin, Michigan, Brandon Thompson, Mike in Pasadena, Maryland, where the Rose Parade is considerably smaller, I would imagine. Chuck Moose Whaley, <laughs> John Demacus, Alan B, Mike, you can roll a rolla. Chris in Huntsville, Chad and Callie, Jace Wash in Beaver Creek, Brian in Columbus, Cincinnati, Joe, Matt D, who was in Oregon and is now in Tennessee, Diana, Alpha Geek, Dallas Fitzgerald, Fetch in Evansville, Paul in South Dakota, Commodore 64, Will, Chad Dickinson, Rick Parker, and Brian with an E in Boulder. Okay, let's spin the wheel. Find out who gets the uh, magical device. A one, a two, a one, two. Uh-huh. Efficient. Yeah, I like the vertical prices right now. I think that's the right way to do it. it. Takes up a lot less space here in the office. And it looks like it's going to land on Paul in South Dakota. Okay, excellent. Paul, nice. Paul, send us your snail mail. Paul, send us your your address, and we will uh, torture the post office with the. I think we Lovely have a letter uh, for you. Don't we have Paul? Because he's a patron. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we I might, may have it then. Yeah. Yeah. We may have it. Send Boop, it anyway, boop, Paul. Boop, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's uh, mystery sound. If you know the answer, email us at podcast at sit80s.com 
Uh, the mystical refrain of listener mailbag. It's a lot easier to say when it's typed out in front of you. That's, I'm trying to help you out there, man. I still want to say reader mailbag. It's still listed in the production library as a reader mailbag, but it doesn't matter. Jan Carnes sent us this letter uh, about our recent episode where we discussed Toto's Africa. Brad, take it away. I, I will do so, Stephen Spears, in just a moment. <clears throat> Clear my throat. Jan writes, for what it's worth, Brad, I believe your love of the song Africa is based on your background growing up in a house of musicians and as a marching band geek. Yeah, there's probably some truth to that. Toto's harmonies are the best to sing along at the top of my lungs when I'm running in the open or anywhere else it plays. As you said, it is musically interesting, more so than almost anything else on the top 40 of the time. Lyrics? Who cares? I do agree with your criticism of what it was retroactively described as. Yeah, okay, I appreciate you throwing me a bone there, Jan. Uh, I had the unfortunate opportunity to see Toto in concert outdoors at Pine Knob in the Detroit suburbs, perhaps in 1983. Let me take you back in the podcast listener time machine to the days when I was a poor, and I mean collect deposit pop bottles for end of the week $3 cheese pizza poor, graduate student at Michigan. I loved, loved this group, and I played Toto 4 on repeat. I saved up to attend one concert that year. Of course, it was Toto. Too bad nobody told me. That was stupid because they were a studio band. I attended with a friend of mine from the marching band who's still a good friend today. From the first notes, it was obvious either they were stoned out of their minds or the sound system wasn't functioning in their headsets. The singers were in at least two different keys, none of them the same as the instrumental. My friend and I kept saying, let's just wait and see if they adjust, and then Rosanna started. In unison, without debating, we got up and packed it up. (laughs) We sort of listened to Rosanna as we headed to the car, a mere 15 minutes or so into the show. Feeling fortunate, it was getting quieter and quieter as we walked. To this day, when one of us hears Toto, they call the other and sing Rosanna a quarter step flat. It's fun. Give it a try. (laughs) I'm going to take your word for that, Jan. I'm not sure that my brain could do that without rebelling against me. Jan, stuck in Lawrence, Kansas. You'll have to explain to me what a quarter step flat means. Well, it's like, you know, like a flat or a sharp in music? Like a flat is a half step lower. So a quarter step would basically put you out of tune with any properly tuned instrument. Okay. So a half step, that's just a flat. A quarter step, that's just way out of tune. Okay. It should hurt your ears. I'm glad I read this because to be honest, I've been kicking myself for having not seen them live over the years, but now I don't feel so bad about it. It makes sense when you think about, you know, she says studio band. Are they going to be great on stage? Well, they're probably not going to want to talk or there's not going to be much patter. They're just going to sit on their stools and do their thing. (laughs) Play their synthesizer solos. It's funny because I was trying to think like what other bands had a reputation for not being great live from the cars. And that's exactly where I was going to (laughs) go. The cars did not have a good reputation. I still would have liked to have seen them back in the day, but I, you know, I watched the, the rock and roll hall of fame induction set that they did. And, oh man, I wanted to like it. It was not great. Anyway, my, Rest in peace. I, the cars, my problem with the cars is it's not their fault. But when I was in, at Florida at college in the you know second half of the 80s, the cars came through town and played at the basketball 
venue, which is oh, like, you know, any, okay. yeah, like, you know, 15,000 seats, maybe. maybe t- yeah. Yeah. And tickets go on sale. My girlfriend buys two tickets. She tells me, I bought two tickets. I'm like, that's fantastic. I can't wait to see them. She's like, oh, I'm not taking you. Oh, I'm taking, snap. I'm taking my friend, what's her name? And I'm like, oh. are you serious? <clears throat> like, this relationship is on the rocks. It it didn't last much more than like maybe two more. And we'd been together for two years. Wow. So and, the cars uh, ended your – well, it's not the car's fault, no, like you said, but no, it's a harbinger. It, no, it was, it was one of like, you know, nails in the coffin. It was like nail 10 of 12. So, but uh, – The harbinger of doom. I never, I never did get to see the cars perform live. Yeah. So there you go. Thanks a lot. That would have been Heartbeat City? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would have mm. been. Yeah. Would you, that would have been freshman year. I, think, well, was, I mean, that was, tour might have gone for a while. I don't know. It might have just been a one-off gig, too. It might have been oh. one of the ones that you know our university pretty much said, hey, oh, you know. That, that could be. We have all these student entertainment dollars that we have to spend, you know. Would you like some of these? <laughs> so, I've got a suitcase full of $100 bills with your name on it. What do you say? Yeah, you're right. Probably, didn't they have one album after... After that, uh, they had a greatest they, they hits, did. but I can't imagine they toured that door to door. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The the, the 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 brain damage is still there. Could have been door to door. Door to door is eighty seven. Yeah, there we go. I mean, I don't know if they toured it. Whatever. <laughs> Sorry, so the anger remains. You can't regrow brain cells. You can't. Sometimes there's things like that like my mom not letting me go see kiss on the dynasty tour you can't unsee some things and you can't go back and see some things yes. you just have yes. to keep moving forward with the arrow of time you can invent a podcast time machine you can try to fix these problems you can't but I'm not fuel so sure. it because you can't get plutonium down at the corner drugstore <laughs> anyway if you have a letter email us at podcast at sats.com we'll be right back after this commercial break what happened? Just fell off the swing. He did. Well, let's see. Oh, a little back pain will fix that right up. That good stuff? Oh, it's real good. Factine is unsurpassed in killing germs among the leading antiseptics. Uh oh, looks like you need some too. Is that better? Better. Oh, helps the hurt stop hurting. Oh, we got a few minutes left. I figure it's time for. Yes, another episode of PPTMN. Please, oh, please tell me now. Yeah, I, I feel so bad because we got this question in a few months ago, and by a few, I mean it was April. <laughs> Sorry, I blame um, myself. Um, it just it's just been that kind of year, to be honest. Would we have been on the cruise? No, that would have been March. So there's really no excuse. Anyway, from uh, Tanya Boudreaux, Brad's going to read it. I am. I am. Tanya writes, Hi, guys. I just watched an incredible new documentary called Analog Love, The Long Lost Art of the Mixtape. Honestly, I kind of want to stop right now and go watch that and then come back and talk this. So I'll check it out. Anyway, after watching it, I have questions for you both. Please, please tell me now, which song would you always include on a mixtape? That's question one. Do you want the second question now or after we answer the first one? Oh, uh... Okay. Question two, we'll just address these in order. And then question two, also, what songs or bands would ruin a mixtape? Oh. 
asking for some opinions here is what she wants. Uh, okay, 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 okay. I'm going to say there's two kind of mixtapes. I'm going to say there's the romantic mixtape that you make for a... Um, a either real or would-be partner. Yes. And then I then there'd be like another mixtape that you might make that you listen to driving around by yourself. Okay. So for the romantic mixtape, I, I would say that the two must includes on mine, uh, Slave to Love uh, by Brian Ferry. And I don't know why this, this always makes the lists that I've done in the past, but, but Hold Me Now by Thompson Twins. I mean, it gets right to the point. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Right. It's, sometimes it's good to to um, to uh, dissolve any ambiguity. I mean, if I you're guess. so brave as to show somebody that you're interested in them by recording a bunch of songs on a tape and then slipping it to them surreptitiously, oh, I made you this. Uh, uh, you know, just in case they weren't picking up the vibe you were laying down there in the, oh, part of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be clear on these things. Yeah. Um. I would agree with that approach to categorizing mixtapes. I made a lot of, I made mixtapes for my cars. Like when I bought a new car, I always like to have a new mix to start. Like as I drove away with the new car, not that it was brand new, new to me. I mean, I was a starving student anyway, that's a whole nother story. But, uh, so yeah, those are different mixes. Like I had a whole series of Jetta tapes for my Jetta. Duh. But the song that I get accused of using too much on that style of tape is White Lines by Grandmaster Flash. Yeah, You love that song. I love that song. I love that song. Okay, so three things, right? One, love the song. Two, had the vinyl. Because remember, this is like the pre-Napster era. You actually have to own a copy of this to, or have access to a copy of this to put it on a tape. Yeah. And three, it's nice and long. So it's great on side be when you're like, oh my gosh, where am I going to come with another 30 minutes of songs? I'm out of ideas. It's great. And it's, 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 a, it's a banger. Come on, man. The street kid gets arrested. He's going to do some time. But don't worry. He gets out three years from now just to commit more crimes. If I had to take my car, I would use the sad mopey stuff. Um, oh, no, no. You got to have some cruising tunes. No, cruising I, tunes. I have, a whole, I have a whole playlist on uh, Spotify that's just called... It's called Mopey 80s. I think we yes, actually worked on this do. together, didn't we? I feel like I put some songs on there. Probably uh, probably contributed some Cure tracks, like A Forest. Uh, I, here comes a the regular by The Girl Was Never There. <laughs> here, here Comes a Regular by The Replacements is on it. Mm. Um, so good. Throwing It All Away by Genesis. Oh, yeah. Knife um, in the Back. What else? I think you put Emotion in Motion by uh, Rick Ocasek. Interesting. I do like yeah. that solo album. Um, I, so, I will say the other side of this, the the romantic stuff, I have, well, I have a lot of weird rules in life in general, but one of my weird mixtape rules, maybe it's not that weird, is that you can't repeat songs on romantic mixtapes. If I made a mixtape for a girl and it had a song on it, then that song cannot be used on mixtapes for future potential or actual romantic partners, which makes life challenging as you get older. Yeah, uh, I, I, I guess I don't agree with that. Well, I might, I might at this point like wipe the slate clean, but what it does is it, you know, it allows me to keep those associations clean with songs to people. 
if you will. <clears throat> but the one that I really like that I would use again and again, if, if I were the kind of person who would do that to people, which seems like song cheating a little bit, I really like the Jerry Harrison song, Man with a Gun. <laughs> what? Which has very little to do with guns. Okay. Just, let's play. I'm going to play just a clip of this song. The first time I ever heard it was on the Something Wild soundtrack. It's so good. Oh, it's just this kind of dreamy, ethereal track. And Jerry Harrison's talking about a pretty girl and she can go anywhere. Doors open for her. And it's just, oh, it's fantastic. A pretty girl. A pretty girl can walk Okay, so not not as weird as I thought it'd be. Yeah, the title is a little misleading, which is kind of a good reason to use it here. Get everyone's dander up a little bit. Let's tackle question number two. What songs or bands would ruin a mixtape? Ruin. Culture Club. Full stop. Culture (laughs) Club. Uh, Oh, sorry. Are those my biases showing? (laughs) (laughs) Anything too perky. Uh, no what? walking, no walking on sunshine. I, you couldn't be more wrong, but go ahead. I'm picturing, I'm picturing Katrina giving you a big hug before trivia, and now you're crapping all over, saying her song can't be on a mixtape, huh? Yeah, I guess I feel bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> but continue, go ahead. Uh, no, 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 Bobby McFerrin. No, no, oh, don't worry, yeah. be happy. Nonsense. Okay. I can get on board with that. That's no, a buzzkill and a half. No, no Terrence Trent Darby. No Millie Vanilli. No. Uh, I disagree with you on Terrence Trent Darby. I can't stand. I, Ooh, sign your name. That's a good song. I, I don't like, um, was it Sade? I don't like her either. <gasps> How can we be friends, Steve Spears? You don't like Sade? No. Oh, shut the front door. Uh, what else? I mean, probably. God. I don't, it's like, I don't even know you. Probably no hair metal either for that matter. Well, that's just a genre choice. I mean, I get it. Um, we're, we're, yeah, too, we're too old for that. I don't really have, I mean, I, I guess this is just, it's just a thing that's driven by your, your preferences and I just don't like Culture Club in case you wondered. Also, no Stevie Nicks for me. At least her songs are like, seem like they're 15 minutes long. You only need two of them to fill a side of the tape. Well, if, yeah, if that's what you're looking for. I mean, if you want long stuff, like use the third movement of Beethoven's Seventh Symphony or something, you know. I agree with you on Culture Club. I mean, to be honest, I mean, they're <laughs> overplayed so much that just I don't. I'm trying to think what song would I listen to of theirs if it were on. Um, I would listen to Boy George's uh, Crying Game. That's a good song. Yeah. But that's not 80s. No. And it's not Culture Club. No. <laughs> no that's a good idea. So, well, hey, p- people out there, help us out here. Send in your send in your must-have songs and oh, your must-not-have songs. Let's make an anti-mixtape. Send yeah. us the horrible stuff. Because I'm, I'm really weird about mixtapes. When I make a mix, and I still think of them as mixtapes, I like I worry about the transition song to song. Like I want it to kind of flow. I like it if there's a little narrative arc that I can draw between the songs. Like I did a I did a mixtape. I think I made it available to everybody. But the the liner notes I posted just to the Patreons about like how I had constructed it, what the song like, what my background was with the song, and how I connected them like into little three song arcs and stuff. I had a great time doing it. It took me most of the summer, but 
I, I had a friend who his the secret to his mixtapes was uh, he only used songs that the girl didn't know, and he found ways to incorporate pieces of the lyrics into casual conversations with her ahead of time so that when she heard it in the music boom instant success that's mastery level stuff right there yeah that's, i don't have the does he teach <laughs> classes because i think i could learn some things from yeah. a person like that so there's that philosophy as well anyway we hope you enjoyed our conversation about a christmas story christmas seriously send us in your must-haves and must-not-haves for your mixtapes Still got a month to go before Christmas. Will this be our only Christmas show this year? We do not know. You just never know, do you, kid? In the meantime, Brad and myself, along with Ralphie and his friends, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuckinthe80spodcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening.